Welcome to the WWIA podcast. Today, WWIA founder and CEO John McDaniel introduces us to his longtime friend and a remarkable supporter of the foundation, Mr. Tom Shen. Tom is a former Army Ranger, an avid fisherman, and owner of Chippewa River Custom Rod Company. In 2002, realizing the city life wasn't for him, Tom headed off to northern Wisconsin, stopping at the junction of the Chippewa and Flambeau Rivers, the heart of Muskie Country. He found himself owning a small tavern and building custom fishing rods, and continues building some of the finest rods available today. Without further ado, let's join John and Tom now. Hi, this is John McDaniel. I'm the founder and CEO of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, and this is the Honor, Connect, and Heal podcast. And today, uh, here we are in the north woods of Wisconsin, and um, I've got with me a very special guest, somebody who's uh, who I'm very uh, close with, who I've known for oh eons. His name's Tom Schenk, and Tom and I first met in the Rangers. And uh, we're at Camp Hackett right now. We just finished uh, a, a run out in the woods for, for grouse. We were grouse hunting. But uh, Tom is a, a, is a very interesting man. Um, and I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a second, but I'll set it up for you. Um, Tom was in the Rangers about the same time or at the same time I was back in the early, what, 90s? Early 90s? Early 90s. Yeah. I was attached, actually... Got out of RIP early, the indoctrination program early because of the kickoff of uh, the invasion of Panama. Right. So I only did two weeks instead of the full three. Right on. So at the time in Panama, you know, I'm, a, I, you know, I was with the four six infantry fifth ID at the time, and so when Panama kicked off, I was already in country. Um, and then we did, you know, did the invasion, um, you know, there in in uh, eighty nine, December of nineteen eighty nine. As I recall, December twentieth. That's right. That's right. I, re- I remember. I remember thinking CNN had just started. Okay, so there was a, the first, you know, you know, global news network, if you will. And I remember thinking to myself when you know when a little some of the dust settled right around Christmas. I or actually when the when the shooting started. I remember thinking to myself. I wonder if CNN's catching. Where's Wolf? Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Anyway, so to set the stage a little bit further, um, you know, Tom, uh, I was I was in the I was in the Florida Keys, and Tom and I did not know each other in the Rangers. I was in I was in Charlie Company, Third Seventy Fifth, as a weapons platoon leader, and it wouldn't be uncommon for you know, uh, a platoon leader to not know every you know enlisted guy in the you know in the battalion or let alone the company let alone the battalion you know so here i am in the florida keys i'm now retired fast forward the tape to i want to say probably at like 08 it was in the beginning 07 08 maybe the 07 i actually tom was the first guy the first man first person in all of wisconsin and i'm an old wisconsin boy you know okay hail from here you were the first person that ever called me and said i want to help you that's what, and the story goes, and you can chime in and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I remember very distinctly I was standing on my porch on Sugarloaf Shores in the Florida Keys overlooking my backyard, which was water, and um, 
enjoying the day. I think I had some, I was burning something on the grill. <clears throat> My phone rings, I pick it up, and um, it's a 715, which I recognize as the Northwoods of Wisconsin phone number. And so I pick it up and I answer it. Hello? And uh, this guy on the other end, it turns out to be Tom, says, um, Hey, my name's Tom Schenk. Um, are you the John McDaniel that was in, you know, Charlie Company 375? No, I didn't actually know no? you were in Charlie Company 375. Okay. But you asked me if I was in the Rangers. Because it was an, a customer of mine at the time I had owned a tavern in northern Wisconsin. Ooh. And he had brought me in the Wisconsin Outdoor News article. Oh, if you remember right. what year that came out in, that yeah. would have been the year that I called oh, I think you. it was 08, yeah. yeah then it was so 08. you saw that. That was I the saw evidence. that, but I had no idea which battalion you were in or at okay. what point in time. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I remember you asking me who my sergeant major was, who my company commander. I mean, we went through the whole thing, and I'm like, all right, dude, uh, we got it. We, you know, we're, we're there about the same time, but... You know, since then, you've helped the foundation tremendously. Um, you know, Tom has brought, uh, you know, he's brought a lot of goodness to the Northwoods here for the foundation. I mean, things like, believe it or not, that make a big difference, like fishing all winter long and saving a bunch of panfish and bringing them here to camp for the heroes. And, and he's been guiding with his dog, Pippa. Uh, he's a master rod builder of all things, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but anyway, welcome to the program, Tom. Thanks for all that you've done yeah. for the foundation. And, and we just got done with a grouse hunt. And we're hunting behind Pippa, which who is a, a Tom's dog, six-year-old uh, English setter, correct? Correct. Yeah, so pretty dog. And um, so the heroes are here. Uh, Tom, Tom, you live in Holcomb. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Anyway, um, you're, you're a you're a you know you owned a, a, an establishment, uh, Old Bogey's Bar and Grill, and now uh, you turn just bar. It was no no, no, no grill. grill. Yeah, it was old fashioned bar. Yeah, old fa What bar. does that mean? What does an old fashioned Northwoods bar mean? Uh, it was old fashioned, standing timber building. Yeah, originally built in '28. Um, when I bought it, they at least had a wood floor in it, but yeah. before they didn't. Pool table. Yeah. Google Plywood Palace. And, yeah. And then think along those lines. It's right. like one step up from that place. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of character. Lots of character. Well, you were a musky fisherman. Yes. And and, and, and Tom, over the years, has is you know provided... Um, you know, Tom's connected like Legos, you know, so all these guys that are, you know, that are ate up from the ground up with musky fishing, and I'm talking fly fishermen for musky, you know, you've turned us on to them and we fish with our heroes, you know, for years on the Chippewa River and, 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 and ended up, you know, sticking a lot of muskies with fly rods. And people go, I would tell them, used to tell them, you know, hey, we're, uh, we're going to go out there with these combat wounded guys and we're going to fish the Chippewa River with 10 weight fly rods. Uh, and fly fish for musky, and pretty much everybody's going to catch one. And everybody like, no, you're not. I'm like, well, yeah, we are, because you guys know when it's you know on when when the, when the when the fish are biting, and we would get a call and we'd show up with the heroes, and boom, pretty much everybody'd catch one, which is quite an accomplishment, right? Yeah, it was it was a good run with. Um, yeah, it's fun when they were, were coming down and doing that still. Yeah. Um, it was neat. It was but, neat times, yeah. right? Those are, yeah. But you were you were the first guy. You get you get credit for being the first guy, who ever you know reached out to to me and said I wanted to help. Um, you know, old Wisconsin, you know, guy who happened to also be in the the, the Rangers with me, and and that's uh, that's pretty cool. 
So yeah. tell us about your business. You're 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 a, you're a rod builder. Tell us about your 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 business. Ah, uh, the name of the business is Chipper River Custom Rod. <clears throat> I build anything from ice fishing rods to musky fly rods. Um, most of my business is musky fly rods, but I I build spinning rods, rods for trolling. I've built saltwater rods. Um, you brought you built rods yeah. for me. My my boys fish your rods. I fish your rods. Tony McCann fishes your rods. Every I mean, pretty much everybody I know is fishing your rods because your your rods are superior and they have great action and and you've got a heck of a warranty on them too, don't you? Yeah. Um, if people have issues with them, just send them back. I usually yeah. just usually if it's a defect, there's no cost to it. Otherwise, I do it for redo it for cost of the parts and shipping return shipping yeah. to people um it's really been a booming thing i gave up the bar business two years ago after uh the covid um hit i closed it down right when covid first started and then i reopened the first summer in northern wisconsin and it was a madhouse yeah. um every, all the cities had their regulations in place and northern wisconsin was like the wild west yeah. and then i didn't turn the air conditioning on i left the doors wide open and then in the fall there was a huge uptick in cases and i was booming with the fishing rods i was doing that on yeah. the side and when people started getting sick, I just cut the bar yeah. completely out. And all I do now is just build custom fishing rods, which is hard to believe that can actually yeah. be a profession. Right. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, uh, the rods I have, have uh, you know, we have commissioned you to do, and we, we, you know, quite a few over the years, you know, some of which we, we, we do in auction, some of which are in my personal collection. Um, you know they're phenomenal, and 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 if there's anybody out there that's listening to this that that wants a custom rod uh, built, you know, get a hold of Tommy. Look up Chippewa Custom Rods, right? What's your website? Uh, crcustomrod.com. And if okay. you don't see a rod to meet your specifications on there, feel free yeah. to call. Yeah. Um, I can't list everything. Yeah. I run the business myself. I package everything. I order everything. Yeah. I'm the only one that touches them. Yeah. So I know exactly what you got and awesome. how exactly how it was built. And if you have any issues, just it's just me, baby. It's just me <laughs> that does it. So. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I may have asked you this before, but you know. I'm an old school, I'm kind of old school on things, and I like, you know, the, the cork handles, you know. Mm -hmm. and um, A full cork handle. I not, do. Not the split. Exactly. Grip. That's yeah. right. And, um, and and I always thought, you know, when they started to go away from the, you know, full cork handles that, you know, they were doing that, you know, for, you know, some reason you know some specific reason and you, i say you know what what is this new technology <laughs> like no cork's expensive <laughs> yeah cork's expensive most of so it they're just cheap charlie in the rods right yeah they they uh they they uh cut down the cost of man making them but then up the price on it because it looks cooler right. um but actually cork is most quality cork it originates out of portugal yeah and uh actually it's a bark off an it's a very specific oak tree that's peeled once every seven years. Really? And the land values of a lot of the cork plantations were worth more for development than mm -hmm. they were continuing to take cork down. Yeah. So 
down went the oak trees, so up went the price of cork. Right. And that's why you see much more synthetic stuff in the split grip stuff. Um, right now, a cork grip on a, like a 15-inch cork grip on a musky rod, retail price, if you were to buy it from, like, say, Mudhole, um, it's probably right around $70 just wow. for the cork. Yeah, so that's why a lot of the uh, cork is gone now, and hmm. you see a lot of split grip stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Just an economy thing. Yeah, right. So I get, I get, I'm going to go there. You know, in our in our pre chat, we didn't. I, I said we just, you know, go where and talk about whatever comes to our mind and just go with it. So, um, one of my favorite stories about about you is that your story when you you tell the story about being you know i don't know if you had just got up here or how long you'd been up here but you were fishing on the chippewa river and you landed a pike oh i know (laughs) (laughs) and so i'll set it up a little bit and then i'll I'll, I'll run it over to you but you know as i recall the story you know here's tom out there by himself and it was in a in a a, a canoe in a canoe okay so you hook this big pike and for those that don't know pike up here are they're similar to musky musky a little bit bigger but the the northern pike up here is a is a is a predatory fish is mine a, was a runt it was a small fish it was a small fish okay. it was about 20 inches it wasn't a big one okay so it's 20 inches but still they, they got a, it's it's got a mouthful of teeth they're, they you know they're they're they um you know, it's a real predator, um, and and typically they they when they they go after other fish. You know, the big muskies even eat ducks. You know, but small ducks, I suppose. But anyway, so you catch this fish. What were you using? You remember? It had treble hooks on it. And treble hooks, a yeah. Hendon tiny torpedo. Of course, you would know. Yes. It would, yeah. So so, it's <laughs> this catches this fish, brings it in the boat, and pike. For those that don't know, they're kind of slimy. And this is a hot summer day? Yes. Okay, and in northern Wisconsin, folks, also, you know, this place is not for the weak nor faint of heart. It's like, you know, the, 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 it's, like, it's like the sign out front of ranger school, you know, not for the weak nor faint of heart. I and that's, they, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think they pretty much brought the settlers here in, like, late September. Yeah. And when they dropped them off, they took their wagon wheels. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think that nobody would, would, would just pass through. Yeah. yeah. So you up here in Wisconsin, you're dealing in the north woods of Wisconsin. You know, not only are you dealing with, you know, fairly extreme, um, you know, environmental and, cl- you know, climatological things. Okay. You're dealing with deer flies, horse flies, ticks, mosquitoes, and they can all be pretty brutal depending on the time of year. Right now, it's gorgeous out there. You know, it's it's early fall. There's no bugs. It's perfect. But but that's not the case in the summertime. And so, these pike are kind of slimy to begin with. So you get this thing in the boat, and you get hooked. Yeah, it. I had he had he had taken the back treble hook, and it was just like at the tip of his mouth. So he wasn't even that well hooked. It was wasn't very well hooked. Okay. So, um, and for most folks, you know, you're going to, you know, getting a treble hook that's past the barb out of any fish's mouth is sometimes a little bit challenging. But if you're doing it with a slimy pike in a canoe, well, you know, you should be careful. And, and they'll, and, and oh, by the way, they're kind of pissed off that you, that they got a hook and they're not in the water anymore. And, yeah. and they, 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 they shake their heads and they, and, and, and it's hard to hold on to them when they're like that. Well, yeah. And I could sense that it was getting that. It was tensing up. I could feel you it could tensing <laughs> up, and I'm like, "This thing's gonna kick." So I'm like, "So I go, to th- I throw him over." So I will go to throw him overboard. Is what I was trying to do. 
Oh, with the hooks still in them? With the hooks still in them. Just because you wanted to just let them chill out. It was too green. Yeah, It was too green. Let them chill. Yeah, and then then deal with them. And then deal with them. Well, so I go to throw them, and dang it. First treble hook in the thumb, and it's past the bar. Natural reaction is to grab the fish. Well, I grab the fish, and my other thumb from the other hand ends up on the same treble hook. On the same hook. On the same hook. So I got both thumbs on one treble hook. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. And then the pike on the rear treble hook. And he's still very much alive. Yes. Okay, let's take a tactical pause here for a second. If I want to tell the audience out there. Okay, check this out. I'm going to set this up. Um the barb on a hook, okay, so so I'm sure all the guys that are you know sportsmen and gals get it. There's a barb on the hook on every hook, and unless you clip it off, which some fly fishermen do, it makes it easier to get out and not so traumatic for the fish. But typically, the only way you really hook a big fish like that is by getting them past the barb. And once you get past that barb, it's damn near impossible to get it out unless you got a set of pliers. You got to work at it. You can, you know, it's hard, right? Because their mouths are hard. They got bony mouths. Oh, you're talking in the fish. In the fish. Yeah. Not in your finger. Finger's fleshy. And it's still a son of a gun. Like, I can't imagine the pain. Well, you'd be surprised how far human skin can stretch when you're trying to pull a barb out. (laughs) Okay. So, so you got both thumbs stuck on the same treble hook with a slimy pike in what, July, August? What, what is this? In the summertime? July, August. So it's hot. It's hot. Deer flies. Like 90, like 90, 80, 90. It's it's 80, not to over exaggerate, but it's hot in the middle of the river. On the middle of the river in a canoe with a slimy pike stuck. Both both thumbs stuck to the same treble hook past the barb. Yes, with deer flies attacking you. Well, yeah, that you can't I, get, you yeah. can't swat because your thumbs because I handcuffed. still got the fish attached. Yeah, so I can't <laughs> swing at them. And you'd be surprised how long it takes when a full grown human being is standing on a pike, squatting, that it takes approximately twenty minutes before you'll die. So I'm squatting in the back. Before of the, the fish will die? Yeah. You're trying to kill him because he's Because otherwise he's going to flop. So he, I'm standing on him. I got him between on my feet, and I'm basically squatting at this point, basically doing a deep knee bend for 20 minutes. In a canoe. This, in a canoe. Trying not to tip over. Trying not Can, to tip dude, over. Dude, if you tipped that, that thing over, you could have damn near drowned, right? Why, how are you going to swim yeah. with, your, with your thumb stuck to a pike? Yeah. On the Chippewa River yeah. that's flowing. So, yeah. You know. And deep. Yeah. There's places where it's deep enough you could you could go under and, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be good. But, yeah, so after 20 minutes, the fish finally stops flopping, but I'm still kind of screwed. Yeah. Because it's, I'm probably four miles downstream to where from my, where your car, my, is. my my car, and yeah, there's not for and folks here's there's the, no cabins. There's there's no cat there's no cabins on large stretches. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere. And with it a was dead dirt, now with a dead pike now with a dead pike on stuck to both yeah. your thumbs. Yes, and getting shot by deer fly, and you know and the pain's just gotta be brutal. Well, and you gotta navigate down the river too, John. So when you do bump <laughs> into the shore or shallow, you have to push off. You know, so you got one leg because out of the boat. And, you're trying to get yeah. to you're trying to get help. You're trying to get out of there. I'm trying to get to some cabin that there's somebody, somebody that at. can then help you. Yes. Eventually, I would hit this? my place, but there's still nobody there. <laughs> I can't long? even dial my cell phone. Okay, so so 
So I'm sorry. Uh, you know, you <laughs> it know, it is an embarrassing uh, story, but it is classic. It is classic. A, a lot of people get hooked past the bar, but very few of them will get both thumbs yeah. hooked past the bar at the same time. You know, when I listened to I can't remember which comedian it was, but he was talking about the recipe for humor. What makes things funny besides the delivery and you know being clever, but self-deprivation. He, he said that too, <laughs> but he said he said uh, you know tragedy plus time equals funny. Yep. You know, and now we can laugh about it because it's not happening. But at the time, there's nothing funny about this. This no. is just, this is brutal. This is absolutely brutal. You're being, and those that don't know, deer flies are relentless. And and when you have a when you have a pike, or any fish, mostly pike, because they they kind of slimy and they stink. Those deer, that <clears throat> oh they know it. Oh they know it, and they're coming. They're coming at you, and they just want to bite you, and they and they take your blood too, and it hurts. Yeah, and they tend to focus. Like if one gets you, they tend to focus on that same area. So yeah, it's it's repetitive uh, blows. It's okay, repetitive so blows. so here you are in this canoe floating down the Chippewa with a pike stuck to both thumbs. Slimy pike. It's 80, 90 degrees. You're 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 trying to work your way down this river, and what what finally happens? I finally came upon this cabin, and I knew the gentleman because I owned a bar at the time, so I knew a lot of people in the area, and it was somebody that lived on the river full time. And I stopped, and I like kind of shoved my way over to shore, and kind of like kicked to try to paddle with one foot over the side of the boat. Mind you, my legs have never hurt that bad in all my life. Even at Ranger Battalion, I don't think I ever had that sort of workout oh, from yeah. squatting like that for so long. It was oh, just excruciating. Yeah. And the first thing he says is he, I, I'm yelling, your yelling, neighbor's yelling. coming yeah. to the rescue. He and sees you. Yeah, he's coming and he sees me. And he, what's wrong? What's wrong? He comes running down there, and he sees it, and he's like. Ooh, yeah. Do you need some whiskey? <laughs> that was the first words out of his mouth. <laughs> of course, right? Because yeah. it'd be it'd be like getting shot by a by an arrow or something. But it would yeah, just so be then brutal. We go up to his place and he's we're looking for a side cutter to, you know, he got the fish off and yeah. we took the lure off. But I'm, my thumbs are still stuck together, so we're gonna look for a side cutter to try to cut this. And you didn't pass treble. out at any point. I no. tell you what, I don't know that I so could have done. We're it. trying to figure out how to get the because. Uh, once you get a barb in, like, it's yeah. not going to come out. And one of them was, no. like, in You've the... you've got to push it through. you got to push it through. But one of them was into, like, the knuckle, and it was pointed down, so I couldn't oh, turn it and push it through. Brutal, so we can't find his side cutters. We were going to side cut it, and then I was just going to go up to the, the hospital, hospital and yeah. have him take it out. So he doesn't have any side cutters. So we go to the next neighbor downstream. Do you know what his first words are? <sighs> Ooh. Do you need some whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> he had a side cutter. I went to town. And it was amazing. I got to the hospital. I'm thinking, oh boy, here's going to be some cool surgical tools. You know what comes out? Craftsmen. Literally, craftsmen players. Oh, they and they car- do, to pull it out. To pull it out, yeah. After and, they numb you up. After and, they numb you up and all that. Yeah. Wow. Then it wasn't too bad. But wow. yeah, it was an experience. I don't recommend it. Yeah. One trouble hook in, one, in any part of your body is bad. Even if there's no fish on it. Even if there's bad. no fish, it's bad. But that being, when you start adding the, you know, getting getting both insult hands, you know, handcuffed, yeah, insult yeah, to the injury. The triple river handcuff. That's what I call uh, it. The triple river handcuff. The triple river handcuff. Wow. Yeah. It's an awful experience. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, we're we're super super happy to uh, you know have you here in camp and and today, like most years, you 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 ran 
Pippa on on uh, the rough grouse and, and and the woodcock for the heroes. We got three combat wounded uh, heroes in the camp tonight's our community dinner. The heroes are out deer hunting and. Tom and I and, and Jake went out on a little walk with Pippa here, and we, um, we, we, what did we end up with? Two, we just, it was we a, got, we got you know, two, and yeah. I think we had gone earlier with the heroes, and yeah. we got two or three then. Uh, Woodcock? Also. Are they yeah. all Woodcock? Wood, okay. All Woodcock. Okay, so we, we got, uh, Jake shot one, I shot one, we got two of this, the heroes, I think each got one. So we got, what, four, four or five Woodcock today? Yep. And for those that don't know, Woodcock is a very interesting critter. It is a game bird. It's a migratory game bird with a reticulating beak, and it is a beak. It's a bill, okay, and it's about the, the it, it, their bill is about as as long as a pencil, okay, or a standard pen, I would say, and the, and the reticulating in the sense of what they do is they they primarily eat grubs and and worms, and they'll find some soft dirt, you know, in the forest or along a trail where worms might be, and they'll stick their beak down into the soft dirt and then it it opens up like that that like it's almost like if you were to pinch your fingers together your thumb and your index finger and then and then begin to pry them apart at the tip that's reticulating and so it's really an interesting critter they're not great table fare and, yeah, and they're not a large bird and they're not a large that's right it's i would say it's about the size of a robin maybe yeah. a little bit bigger with this funny little bill but they're migratory and last night jake said he saw like 300 of them or something out there on the property so they're only here for a short period of time they're in season and so we're out there um you know hunting them and we we each got one and they're just super cool and we're gonna um we're gonna marinate them and we'll we'll, we'll do some probably some woodcock uh jalapeno poppers you know tomorrow uh, with the heroes share their 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 the bounty with them, but um, yeah, interesting. So um, let me ask you, uh, Tom, you you uh, what is it? I mean, what do you think it is? You know, in your you know in your humble opinion, um, about you know the the foundation and the work that we do, like in the outdoor sporting arena with combat wounded. You know what 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 about that? Um, I mean, what what do you have to say about that? I mean, you've seen it. You've worked with these guys. Um, you know, here we are. We you don't know them. I don't know them, and we get to know them. But they show up here. <clears throat> you come every year, um, and you know what this program's all about. I mean, what wh what do you what do you have to say about it? What I mean, what do you what what strikes you about it that that you know is good? Um, what's really struck me um, besides the organization itself and how it handles itself is um the connection that the heroes make amongst each other yeah like they don't really know each other when they show up they usually don't that's right um but it seems like a lot of them remain in contact for quite some time after they, they, they develop new friends Absolutely. um and it's not even just amongst the the heroes it's also with the volunteers and stuff like that like for instance last year the gentleman was the last year with the gentleman with the bear hunt um didn't get one during the official camp right but if he I remember, but he passed up he, he passed, passed up, up a beautiful bear a beautiful which bear. the other hero killed killed that's right um, he was waiting he was waiting, he was for, waiting a nice for a nicer a bear that's right but i do believe that one of the local individuals mm -hmm 
individual volunteers up here mm-hmm. invited him back that's right to stay and he was because he had the bear tag because he had right. the bear tag and yeah. he came back and he, he did it with his wife with his wife yeah. yeah that's right i didn't know he was with his wife but i yeah. knew that he, he right. came back that's to finish right. the tag up so he did they even make connections outside oh, yeah. of the organizations with oh, the volunteers that they, yeah. they connect with so we're sitting there at, at breakfast this morning the guys were out goose hunting and they just crushed the geese yesterday today was a little bit more of a bluebird day i don't they, they i don't they got three or four i think today but yesterday they limited out by seven fifteen. they were done goose hunting canadian geese and uh, did very well thanks to our local guides i mean that's the other thing this community does that's absolutely amazing and we've got a great chunk of property here um but if you ask me you know where are the geese you know like they're out in the fields but i know which field i don't know these guys are out there scouting these these locals um supporters of ours are uh, our teammates if you will are out there scouting for these these geese and uh, they know exactly where they're going to be and they've already gained access to the farmer's property with permission to set up when we get here it's absolutely incredible yeah but so we get back from the hunt this morning they do they showed up a little bit late and i made them a nice breakfast we sat down and there's a master one of them's a mastery a master gunnery sergeant master guns okay. in in the marine corps and you know he looks like he's like 25 <laughs> really yeah, seriously the one guy said I mean, he's been f- in like 21 years yeah he fast burner no he does not look does not look like he's you know 40 i, I don't think he is maybe that's just because we're getting that much old. older John. Uh, it, could be. <laughs> it could be but nonetheless he, he they both look like you know miniature dolph lundgrens you know but so we're sitting there after breakfast and 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 the um travis the marine says um, along with Mike, who's a Mike, the other hero uh, that's here, the other one of the other Purple Heart heroes is a former Marine scout sniper who turned uh, Navy corpsman and now is a doctor. You know, he's a, he's a medical doctor in the in in the Navy. So the Navy went to send him to school. You know, he's getting his you know his PhD and you know he's a full fledged doctor. You know, and those two know have, you know know didn't know each other, but you know of course now they're on the vent and you know I know this guy, you know that guy, you know that, how that goes. But you're right. I mean they make instant connections, and then connections with the you know local supporters and community. And tonight's a community dinner. They're, they'll do some more bonding. But that's what they said in the truck. And they were saying, "What you know? What about this is so special? You know, they're not even here for four days. They've you know had these great opportunities. They've hunted rough grouse, the woodcock, geese. They've hunted for deer. And tomorrow morning, we're going to go fish for muskie. I would venture to say this is one of the very few places on the planet where you can do all, you know, pursue all five of those, you know, various game species and fish uh, for world class muskie." And do all of that in three or four days. It's pretty incredible. But that all aside, what 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 Master Gun said was, um, Travis said, you know, it's really the, you know, here we go off to war. He's got like nine combat tours, been wounded a couple times. He's like, you know, here we go off to war, been all over the world, back again. And... Um, we come back here and people we don't even know are opening their homes they're they're providing us you know access to their properties uh they're cooking food for us and it's all just to say thank you and he said that's the america i fought for you know that's why i went off and did what i did 
Um, and it takes every now and again, I've got to go back and remind myself of that, you know, unplug from what I'm doing and, and go out in an event like this and, and, and to re-blue, reset and, 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 and recognize once again why it is that I did what I did. And it's for great Americans like those that live up here um, who are uh, bending over backwards, essentially, to thank them for what they did. You know, the war is not forgotten, you know, and, and you know, it, it, you know it, it, we've, we've pulled out of Afghanistan after, after 20 years, and, and that's, you know, kind of a sore, sore subject that we won't get into. But, um, you know, here they are welcomed, and, and, and I think that's a big part of, of, of what makes this work and what, what brings them back is to basically remind themselves that what they did was was, was valued, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's a big part of it. Well, I think a lot of the local individuals have, because of how well you've run the organization as well, have remained with it forever, and it's actually grown. I don't know how it is in on other events you do, because I'm only really familiar with this event. But, I mean, all these people come together for this organization, but I think a lot of that comes through word of mouth. Yeah. Um, like, I brought a lot of people into it, and I'm sure yeah. the other people that first started out huh. brought more people into it because of how well it's been run and how much of the proceeds actually go to the events rather than to the overhead expenses of the organization. That's one thing that I was very impressed about it compared to most other organizations. So I have to pat you on the back for that. Well, I appreciate that. We do very much so. Yeah, like 90% of our, uh, you know, 90 cents on the dollar goes directly to support the mission set. So we run run the administrative side with 10%, which is, you know, uh, that, that that's hard to do, you know. You're a business no. owner. I mean, it's it, you, so the lights have to be paid. <laughs> you know, the, we, we don't pay taxes. That's one break we got. You know, yeah. we don't have to pay taxes on. on but the, you do have you know. to file the taxes. You could probably spend ten percent almost on filing. Well, you the know, taxes it's funny itself. thing. We have an we have accountants. Yeah. We have. I mean, I, I'm not an accountant. You don't want me. I mean, that, that you know, I can't do the books. See, and and you know, you got to have professional people doing the books. Now, you can't get a volunteer to do your books. You know, you might for maybe a month, but this is something that has to happen every month. And then, yeah. then you got to file your 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 nine ninety with the uh, you know the IRS and you know blah 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 blah. And and oh by the way, you, you know you have to have an audit, you know an independent audit. They don't do that for free, you know. So there's lots of things that that happen like this podcast, you know. Um, here we are, you know, running our gums. But when we're done and this thing goes back into post, you know, post production. You know, you're not going to get a volunteer. We get guys give us breaks. You know, hey, you're a charity. I'll you know knock off ten percent. You know, but yeah, I mean, you, it's 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 hard to run a business on 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 ten percent. But thanks to great volunteers across the country, and I appreciate the, the you know the, the the comment there. We 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 certainly do try hard um, to you know to to do the right thing. And but really, at the end of the day, you know, like I say at our guide school with our guides, I say you know people. Uh, People do business with people that they know, like, and trust. You yep. know, you get it, but but at the same time, if you're if you're you and you're cranking out a great rod, you know they don't have to know you. 
Mm-hmm. But they get this rod in their hand, and it works like you know, it works great. Something happens to it, they, you know, something, you know, you, you catch it in a car door or something like that. And hey, man, this is what happened. Yeah, I'll fix it. You know, they get to know you maybe because you're, you know, you're a small enterprise. But you know, they they begin to to trust you. They're trusting your product because of the way it performs. You know, we don't provide a product; we provide a service. This is what we do. You know, it's our it's our business. You know, sort of thing. So, everything it's a value chain, right? So every you know, Karina, they talk to you know Karina. Who you know? Who's our your hero engagement specialist? And and uh, you know they uh, they you know, she chats them up and they get to know her and 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 then you know um, the, their next interactions probably with the guide and then the host and you know and at the end of the day I think they sit back after they go back home to their you know to their to wherever they come from and they probably look back on this thing I hope and say you know that was. Uh, that was well handled you know I had a great time I met some great people and mm-hmm. and. Uh, that you know there's a lot of value there and and and, it, and it's helped me a lot you know and that's the whole you know honor connect tale is where we came up with that but anyway um so uh, is there is there anything that uh, that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered tom hmm. not that i can think about you know, you this is your chance to stick me on you know to, to well, really stick me with something if you want well no we won't stick you with anything too bad <laughs> I think though uh, you, you might have commanded me during at when at yeah. your time at Ranger Battalion just because John was weapons platoon leader yeah. and I would I was a sixty gunner in another platoon. Most people probably don't understand how it works, That's but right. when the Rangers hit objective, the sixty gunners peel off from their squads and their platoons and That's go under right. the direction of the platoon, yeah, the right, weapons yeah. platoon. So, I would have worked under you, but I don't know how directly yeah. you were with uh, I'll with t- operations yeah. on objective. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, know, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'll tell the story real quick. But the one thing that sticks out in my mind, of course, you know, our our boss was was a guy by the name of Steve Townsend, who's I just he just retired as a four star uh, general, and probably the best leader I ever worked for. And <clears throat> so he's comp- he's company commander, he's a captain at the time, and I'm I'm a, I'm a lieutenant. And and he he was just masterful with his plans and you know and and how he devised operations. I always just really admired because the the way he would attack the problem set. I always thought was um, you know really brilliant, and it was always a solution set that I you know sort of wished that I had thought of you know. And so what he decided to do, and this is one of the times that that maybe we 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 did work together uh, you know closely, um, was. He uh, and I, and maybe you'll remember this. I'm just trying to remember. I actually ha- have a schematic of the drawing, because what we did is we did an airborne operation, which was pretty standard, and then followed by an air assault uh, to to a, to a landing zone, followed by an infiltration through the night, right, and then set up on this objective. And what he did was he gave all the wep- all the all of the he, he took 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 all of the M60s. And we had Carl Gustav's, uh, the M60 recoilless rifles. Remember those dudes? Mm-hmm. And um, and the mortars. Okay, because I, as the weapons PL, I had the 60 millimeter mortars. You know, I I had. Um, so he took all the heavy weapons and gave them to me. He said, "What you're going to go on this in this high ground, and, and you're going to set up a position with all of the machine guns in this company, all of the Carl Gustav's, all of the recoilless rifles." all of the mortars and you're going to pound that objective 
okay, until I tell you to stop. And then you're going to shift from that objective as we're assaulting, okay? So this is carefully orchestrated live fire deal, real bullets. So do you remember this? Is this any of this? I know it's probably re- a long, it's a long time. Do I remember? I don't remember the the exact one, yeah, but there's I, lots of them. I was always surprised by how. Uh, how close they would lay fire in while they oh, were yeah. coming across the objective before our leaders had us uh, shift shift fire. That's right, and we did it at night. At night, at night, and and uh, and so what he and what what Townsend said to me, and you know, of course, as a machine gunner, you'll know this. There are different rates of fire. Okay, and, I'll, yeah. and I'm just breaking my. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurt my head thinking back to you know. There's cyclical. There's rapid. And, and sustained. I got all three of them right there off the top of my head. You beat me. Okay, so those are three different rates of fire um, that you can have a machine gun. Either, you know, three to six night round, but pause, you know. And, and then another gun picks up. Exactly. So, so what, there's never a low-end fire. It's just the number of guns firing precisely. at a certain point in time. So, so, so right, we got, we got all these machine guns on this, on this, on this hilltop or in this position. Support by fire position, and 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 the the rest of the companies down in this lowland waiting for us to get you know to start fire. So the mortars start hitting it, machine guns start hitting it, the Carl Gustav start hitting it, and it's it's like Christmas, man. It's lit up. And then Townsend wants me. He wants to practice, and he told me this. It wasn't a surprise thing. He told me. He said, "I want to. I want to." you to control the rates of fire so when i say cyclical i want you to go to cyclical when i say rapid and, and he's like i want to hear the difference and you need to you, be able to hear and control that and i'm like roger that sir and so here i am in this fighting position on this hilltop with all this firepower for the first time in my life and having to really consider how am i going to do that you know, how am I going to, with all that's going on at night, you know, I mean, you know what it's like behind a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not hearing, you know. You're that's not why, hearing much. You're not hearing much, and that's why you got, you know, an assistant gunner right there to help you out and a squad leader and, and everything else. But, yeah, so anyway, I won't go further into it, but I thought it was just brilliant. And um, and we're all under night vision devices, so here I am under nods. You know, there's back in the day, those were not the best when there was no, a lot of gunfire. Yeah, when there was a lot of gunfire, I yeah. remember they whited out quite oh, they a did. bit. That's right. That's right. They would white out back then. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, wow, great times. Well, listen, Tom, I want to thank you um, here publicly for um, one serving our country, okay, um, and for two continuing your service. And all that you've done for the foundation, and most importantly for the for the combat wounded, you you provide um, a very very valuable service and and, and a very very valuable um, opportunity that that otherwise would never happen, and that's hunting you know these amazing uh, upland game birds with a a a you know highly trained and 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 wonderful bird dog pippa and we yeah. we thank you for that and your friendship and yeah. and all the great rods that you've built for us and at auction and so forth so you know um if you're out there looking for a you know looking for a custom um fishing rod of, of any uh type uh please check tom out at you know custom chippewa custom rods tell us the website one more time tom crcustomrod.com crcustomrod.com Anyway, brother, we appreciate all yes. you've done. It, I appreciate uh, the organization. It's been an honor and a pleasure all these years, and hopefully for many more to come. 
All right. So, well, let's go to that community dinner. How about that? All right. Sounds okay. great. Thanks a lot. Good night, everybody. To learn more about the mission of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation and how you can get involved, please visit our website at www.iaf.org or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the WWIA podcast and for helping us honor, connect, and heal our combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes through the power of the great outdoors. If you like what you're listening to here and would like to join our team in our mission to bring healing power and recovery to America's Purple Heart heroes, please become part of our Sponsor Hero team by clicking on the link in the podcast notes or by going to wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. That's wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. Our heroes need you now more than ever. Thank you.